Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. At the bottom of the hour, Hank Scheinkoff, a Democratic strategist with a real knowledge of New York, great experience in New York. We'll talk about the future, the future of Governor Cuomo, who refuses to step aside despite a growing chorus of people in his own party who almost demand, recommend, request he do just that. We have a lot to discuss. Also, today is International Women's Day. We'll uh, make sure to point that out. And I also understand, on a side note, that NASA is making a big focus. Since we've had 12 men on the moon, to get a woman on the moon, that may be the next goal. NASA would be so smart to continue to make these things, put their goals in the public eye. Because the Mars probe got a lot of not, uh, bipartisan support. The, every time these rockets lift off, it's big news. And we get out of the politics and we just start being pro-American. I digress. So we have a lot to discuss, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The border is breaking down as I speak. Immigration in 2022 will be a bigger issue than it was in 2016. I just got back from the border. They're changing every policy of Trump that worked. So we're going to be dealing with, as a nation, out-of-control immigration. And that is, it'll be in our big three, I think, for the foreseeable future, and I wish it wasn't. The Biden administration can pretend it's not a crisis, but it won't make it go away. And it's getting bigger as illegals flood the border right now as millions put catch and release on steroids. Number two. There are some legislators who suggest that I resign because of accusations that are made against me. I'm not going to resign because of allegations. The premise of resigning because of allegations is actually anti-democratic. Exactly. There's no way I resign. <laughs> you don't want to be anti-democratic. Cuomo's critics and accusers are coming at him in waves as calls to con- calls continue to have him resign. Predictably, he's in denial. We'll give you the numbers. Number one. I want to thank all of the senators who worked so hard to reach a compromise to do the right thing for the American people during this crisis and voted to pass the American Rescue Plan. It obviously wasn't easy. It wasn't always pretty, but it was so desperately needed. And by the way, all Democrats, not one Republican in the House. In fact, in the House, they lost two Democrats. And then it went to the Senate. They got zero Democrats. And now it goes back to the House where a lot of liberals don't like the fact that they took out things like the minimum wage and adjusted some other numbers. Uh, This is terrible news, I think. Look. Uh, we've, we need a money in the past. They, they shut down the government. We've never seen anything like this. It's almost similar to a war. You need money in the bloodstream. You no know, more tourism, no more restaurants, no more hotels. I get it. A lot of people told you got laid off, no more work. I understand it. But we already gave $4 trillion within nine months into this country's bloodstream. 
And now he wants $2 trillion, which is more than any other package. And it passed 50-49 because Senator Sullivan had to go back to Alaska, so they did not need the 51st vote. But they didn't get any Republican support. And these are Republicans that went to the White House and said, listen, I, I see between a need of maybe $700 billion. Let's do that. They could have negotiated back and forth and see what one came up. But Joe Biden never went back to him. 300 extra dollars for unemployment. So you get unemployment plus 300 extra dollars. $130 billion um, for uh, schools. $350 billion for state government. You get more money if you had higher unemployment, which means you're rewarding people for keeping your states closed. The child tax credit, the bill will temporarily expand the child tax credit, which is currently worth about $2,000 per kid under 17. Under the legislation, the tax credit would be as much as 3600 for a child up to age 5 and as much as 3000 for kids from 6 to 17. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, money for schools. Amtrak gets $30 billion. Last year it got $24 billion. Is it an emergency to get on a train? So one of the Republicans that's happy about it is Governor Jim Justice of West Virginia. Cut to. You know, from the standpoint of signing on to pay off big pension debts and everything, I've never been in favor of that at all. Now, I've not seen all the particulars about the bill. What I'm signing on to is just one thing. You've still got a lot of people in America that are really, really hurting. A lot of people that are struggling trying to pay the rent. And a lot of states and and, and counties that are hurting as well. Now, in that, when we tighten down, and I'm a business guy, I'm not a politician. When you tighten down things and everything and you just try to skinny it down and just do X number of dollars, we have proven that we have missed the boat. What we need to do is we need to go big or don't go, in my opinion. Well, listen, now you're a business guy, and I'm a huge fan of the former Democrat turned Republican, the Bill Parcells in a business suit. It looks like him anyway. But this is my problem, and a businessman should not be happy about this. $200 million for an institute for museum and library services? Really? The libraries are shut down. Now they're open. What do you need more money for? Were there a leak in the ceilings? On all of them, $91 million for student loan outreach. We have to inform people they have loans. $50 million, excuse, yeah, $50 million for environmental justice grants. What does that have to do with it? And $10 million for preservation of Native American language. This is just some that stood out. I love this tweet by Dan Crenshaw. The COVID package cost every single American $5,750. Then give some people $1,400. No, Biden isn't a leprechaun. He's just bringing you with your own money. He's, he's just bribing you with your own money and footing your kids with the bill and some inflation on top of that. So what I was hoping for, Joe Manchin said, I'm not going to go for the minimum wage. I thought that's what was going to be the game breaker. But the parliamentarian says it doesn't belong in this bill. So it's out. So Joe Manchin went in there and fought for some things around the edges, delayed everything for 12 hours. But in the end, he went along with it. His sentiments are right. And he's been strong with Neera Tandon. He's been strong on minimum wage. He says, I have it at 11. You have it at 15. Maybe there's a compromise. Of course there is. Cut seven. I agree with President Biden when he says, if you go to work every day, you should be above the poverty guidelines. Well, the poverty guidelines to be above that if you're going to work and working full time should be at $11 base. That should be your base. And then we index it with inflation to make sure it never gets back in this political conundrum we have right now. It shouldn't be a political football. We do the same thing with, uh, with Social Security. We index that to make sure that inflation and make sure that it moves forward with the CPI, we can do the same. 
Now, we have a deal here to be made. If everyone agrees, it should be raised. Okay. Minimum wage could easily get done. This should have been easy to get done. 90 votes in the Senate the last three times, Republicans and Democrats. But you didn't even try to negotiate. This is going to be, you have to see what's next. And I'll go over that throughout the hour and throughout the show on the Monday edition. you got to see what they have coming next. It is scary. Senator Lindsey Graham has been looking at this, 600-plus pages. Cut five. Most of the money's not spent this year. 90% of it's got nothing to do with COVID. But let me give you an example of something that really bothers me. In this bill, if you're a farmer, your loan will be forgiven up to 120% of your loan, not 100%, but 120% of your loan if you're socially disadvantaged, if you're African-American, some other minority. But if you're a white person, if you're a white woman, no forgiveness as reparations. What does that got to do with COVID? So if you're in the farming business right now, this bill forgives 120% of your loan based on your race. These people in the Congress today, the House and the Senate on the Democratic side, are out of control liberals. And uh, God help us all uh, if we don't check and balance them in 2022. So uh, it is crazy uh, to think what's at stake in two years if we get to that point in two years and they don't blow up the filibuster because of that. It has been brought up before. Uh, Rahm Emanuel uh, and others have said, you blew up the filibuster to get judges passed. Uh, and now the Democrats found out they got a bunch of Supreme Court justices with just simple majorities because of that. Now, if you go ahead and blow this up on simple legislation, which I think is going to be very unpopular with the American people, you're going to lose control of the House and Senate. And you watch what gets jammed down your throat as some very talented people line up to be the next president. And one of them is not Joe Biden. Joe Biden was never that talented. He was never looked up to. A lot of people liked him. I always found him a little abrasive. And he is determined to be the ne- an incarnation, it seems, of Bernie Sanders instead of the moderate he told everyone he was. So on another note, Governor Cuomo is a governor that Joe Biden has praised up and down. Everybody has praised. Robert De Niro thinks he's a friend. Ben Stiller thinks he's fantastic. What a communicator. He could do PowerPoint. And he is a solid communicator. But when he stopped taking blame for anything, when he blamed the city struggles on the mayor, when he blamed New York's struggle on the President Trump, when he blamed the virus on Europe, I don't do pandemics. He got a total pass. But now between what happened with nursing homes and taking uh, positive COVID positive patients, putting them at the hospitals and bringing them back to nursing homes, causing the death of what he said 5,000, ends up being 15,000, FBI doing an investigation. The AG did an investigation and found out how much he deceived everyone, but it looks as though he's set up to blame staffers for it. But one thing you can't blame staffers for is five separate women now have come forward with sexual misconduct allegations against the Democratic governor. All right. This woman, Anna Liss, one of Cuomo's former aides, detailed the allegations to the Wall Street Journal. She accused the governor of calling her sweetheart and touching her lower back during an event and kissing her hand once when he got up from her desk. Is that the worst thing I've ever heard? No. But is that something crossing the line? Obviously. Clint, um, and we don't know if it happened. He says he has a different opinion. Karen Hinton coming forward to the Washington Post and NBC New York said this is um, – and saying this is now four former aides and Governor and Governor Cuomo and Anna Roosh, who is now employed by the governor's office, who worked for Related Items. She was the wedding guest with the picture of Cuomo's hand. So she has come forward uh, with complaints about him. So now that leads up to five, some more serious than others. And a lot of it is they said, Cuomo said. 
So he quickly, when he heard, get this, that uh, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, New York State's Democratic majority leader, has called for him to resign, he quickly went to the radio and said this about the allegations coming his way without mentioning her. Cut 19. There are some legislators who suggest uh, that I resign because of accusations that made uh, are made against me. The I was elected by the people of the state. I wasn't elected by politicians. Uh, I'm not going to resign because of allegations. Uh, the premise of resigning because of allegations uh, is actually anti-democratic. Anybody has the ability to make an allegation in democracy, and that's great. But it's then the credibility of the allegation. There is no way I resign. Let's do the attorney general investigation. Let's get the findings, and then we'll go from there. And he wants, he's going after them one by one. So this is an interesting damage call. I don't see any lawyer around him. He's just answering it. Remember, he's a big-time lawyer, attorney general. Uh, Karen Hinton, this is the one of the accusers, who he says it's a political hit job. She said, I'm not running for office in New York or New Orleans. I'm not working for anybody who has a plan to run against Andrew. I'm a 62-year-old woman with no job because of my accident. I work for the mayor to help him, not to be disloyal to Andrew. It's always, always, always about Andrew. So this guy has very few friends. I'll talk to Hank Sharonkoff about that shortly. He's got very few allies. He's got an abrasive, arrogant manner about him. It's clear to see his entire career. And now it's all coming back because you have no reservoir of loyalty. You know, one thing about Bill Clinton, when he got in trouble, he has a lot of allies because he's a likable guy. I've, never, I've only met him twice, but just in a professional way. But, we're, you know, he's got charisma about him. He cares about people. He made some terrible personal mistakes. We know that. But he wasn't a bad president in terms of legislation, and we know how bright he was. He was a Rhodes Scholar, but he was friendly. This guy's guy. This guy is not friendly. He is arrogant. By the way, the Cuomo's and Clintons hate each other. Where you know Hillary Clinton does not have a lot of friends. Bill did. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'll take your calls about that as well about the crisis at the border, which I'll discuss and expand on shortly. But Friday, I missed the show for a great reason. Governor Ron DeSantis gave me a whole day with him. So I wanted to talk to, to the 43-year-old up-and-coming star uh, governor of uh, Florida about his path there and where he goes from here. You'll get some of, those, uh, some of that interview throughout the show. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. 
In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The border is breaking down as I speak. Immigration in 2022 will be a bigger issue than it was in 2016. I just got back from the border. They're changing every policy of Trump that worked. So we're going to be dealing with, as a nation, out-of-control immigration. They're going to open up a 100% the migrant living facilities, but we're not opening up schools or businesses. Find it odd. We're going to raise your taxes. They're going to try to. And they're rolling back policies to allow the border to be overrun. And by the summer, you're going to have a million people coming into this country legally, all because the liberals can do it. And and the thing is, you could say that uh, there's a border policy, there's something happening at the border, and this is how we're handling it. But you can't deny there's a crisis at the border. That's the incredible thing that happened. Mayorkas, uh, the new uh, HHS secretary, Homeland Security secretary, was just down there this weekend and came back and says, you know, it is a stressful situation, but it's not a crisis. Of course it's a crisis. They want to move these kids, traveling at great numbers, right into the interior of the country, and they think that's humane. What about the trigger it's sending to all those other middle triangle countries and South American countries? Send your kids if you care about them because America's letting them in. Nothing's humane about telling a kid to go with a stranger a thousand miles to get into our country. Yamichi Alcindor, as liberal as it gets, PBS White House correspondent. Listen to her, cut 32. Only time will tell if Democrats are ready for this because you have a White House that is wanting to say that there's not a crisis at the border, but the numbers don't um, lie. You have a number of unaccompanied minors that are just that, that are coming to the border, um, that are being held in facilities that even progressive Democrats are pointing to and saying, if that's what we call humane, there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. Um, you also, of course, have a Democratic conference that has been really stuck on the issue of immigration. Um, time and time again, they've tried to do this. They have this big bill now that's sitting in the Senate, it seems, and sitting in Congress, it seems as though it's going to have to be broken up. Um, so there are just, I think, a lot of different unanswered questions on this. And there's a there's a real big problem at the at the border that's continuing to yeah. brew. And this White House, that I think, is going to really have to contend with that. Right. It's a catch and release on steroids. And, quote, here's the White House statement. They discuss capacity needs given to the number of unaccompanied children and families arriving at the border, the complex challenges with rebuilding our gutted border infrastructure. What are you talking about? It was being built up and you stopped it. An immigration system as well as improvements that must be made to restore safe and efficient procedures to process, shelter, and place unaccompanied children with family or spouses. We flew down there as a country. We had Mark Morgan and others make deals and to, with these countries to keep people there. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. And out there needs restore the aid, and we were ready to go, and he blew it up. And I'm talking about Joe Biden. Listen to Mark Short, cut 33. They're absolutely rolling out a red carpet for illegals to come into the United States. And the reality is it is a humanitarian crisis. And as you mentioned, in the last couple of months alone, it's the, the number of migrants reaching the borders three times what it was. And it's only going up. It's going to get worse by the end of the spring. One of the things that the Trump-Pence administration did was a remain in Mexico policy that required migrants to stay in Mexico as their asylum claims were adjudicated. Now, by rescinding that, basically immigrants are allowed to walk freely into our country, and the numbers are going to continue to increase. You're going to continue to see the, 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 um, the, the using of human trafficking, of taking young kids, unaccompanied minor, to the border is going to continue to increase. And just think about your last segment. The reality is right now, if you're an American citizen and you have, to, you have to fly back in the United States, you're required to get tests. But if you walk up to our border as an illegal, you're allowed to come straight in without any COVID tests. It's amazing. Coming up next, we change gears. Hank Scheinkoff tells us the chances of Governor Cuomo surviving, let alone getting another term. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Then we'll end the hour with your calls. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. On the miss list, uh, if you look, there's a, a story that one of the papers looked at 150 employees uh, who worked for me over 40 years. You see the same pattern. Uh, I say to people in the office, how are you doing? Uh, how's everything? Are you going out? Uh, are you dating? Uh, that's my way of doing friendly banter, but, uh, I never, uh, and I don't even think she said, I never, uh, meant to make anyone feel unwelcome in any way. Uh, I know the, if customs change, then, uh, I'll change, uh, the customs and the behaviors, but I never meant to feel, make anyone feel any uncomfortable. Okay. Case closed then. I guess we have nothing to worry about if you're the governor. Uh, doesn't seem to be the case for at least five separate women. Hank Scheinkoff, Democratic strategist, president of Scheinkoff Communications, joins us now. Uh, Hank, you've seen a lot of New York politics. You handle things nationally. Do you think the, go- the governor's doing an effective pushback? Hank, you there? I'm here. My brother's haven't left. So do you believe the governor did an effective pushback? He's taken on each one of them individually, it seems. I think he's been he's done a very good job pushing back, but that's not the question. He's got to control the environment for the time being, calm it down, and hold on until that report is issued by the attorney general on uh, whatever the attorney general will find to an independent investigator on his behavior. And that's a ways away. It's not going to happen tomorrow morning. People, you know, people are going to want to push it sooner. Politicians do what they do. They want to move up the ladder, and there's an obstacle in the way. And that obstacle is called Andrew Cuomo. And what do you think his chances are of surviving this as now? Do you think other governors would be allowed to, would be withstanding it even to this point? Well, look, North the, the fellow in Virginia is a perfect example. There are others who've gone through 
crises that where they just get through it. There's no crime committed here. There's no indication of any criminality to date. Um, why shouldn't we stay and wait for the findings and go through due process? This country has a history of requiring due process. We just can't throw people out the street because we decided it was a good idea to do on that day. Whenever we've done it, the outcomes have not been good. I guess the problem is he was demanding for something much different when it came to Kavanaugh, and people were pointing out a lot of those quotes. Let them do whatever they want. There's a due process issue here, and, and you don't have to be Clarence Darrow to figure this one out. It's not, you know, turnabout is not fair play. Here's a case where democracy can be protected by ensuring that rights are protected and that uh, that investigation occurs, and it's appropriate. Throwing a guy out in the street, you know, regardless of what he may or may not have done before, is not necessarily an appropriate behavior. So here is Daniel Pletka, a Meet the Press uh, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Cut 25. These women coming forward should should be a wake-up call for, for everybody. I, I've never understood why Andrew Cuomo was viewed as the emperor of New York after he sent you know, thousands of elderly people to their death last year in nursing homes. Now the chickens are coming home to roost, not only on that, but on the fact that he's a, another man who believes that he should have impunity because of who he is in the world of politics. It's utterly disgusting. Do you find that sentiment when you when the majority leader in the Senate, who's a Democrat, comes out and asks him to resign? Do you find that uh, that's more than just a sentiment and opinion? I'm happy how people feel. I also believe in the law, and I also have believe that politics plays a role in everything. Simply put, if your members are trying to get the governor to resign because they feel better because the progressives have lined up in the state where there is no Republican balance, Republican Party of consequence to balance them off, that's what you have. Is it right for her to, 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 to take that position? That's her opinion. But the, what we, what the country needs may be somewhat different. If you start throwing people out of office on unclear allegations, and we don't have, we need a standard on sexual harass, harassment that's much more clear and that becomes much more the, the, uh, the, exact, the exact dimensions of how we act and how we don't act. And we don't start – we start throwing people out in the street because we decided that's the right thing to happen. What do you think about the stability of the country? you think it's going to work out very well? Uh, what's what's, a, what's like the difference between else? this and uh, Elliot Spitzer? You wrote that, you know, Spitzer had no friends. At least Cuomo has some friends. Yeah. No, the difference here is, is not about friends so much as that Elliot Spitzer was – Elliot Spitzer clearly had committed a crime, whether it be federal or otherwise. There was a prostitute involved and, and potentially other prostitutes. He had violated the law clear, clearly, but not even a question. Tell, Andrew Cuomo has not broken any laws that we know of yet. And when that occurs, maybe a different decision will have to be made. But at the moment, whether it's Andrew Cuomo, a Democrat or a Republican, any place else, I would say the same thing. People are entitled to due process. And we start we stop having due process. We, we begin to undo the very nature of what American democracy is about. So the New York Post editorial uh, goes like this. Here's an excerpt. Uh, it's no coincidence the loudest voices in his own party condemning the governor have been the lefties because he resisted their pernicious, pernicious policies in the past. They want him sidelined. Cuomo may well make catastrophic concessions to buy them off. Moderate New Yorkers who once bought Cuomo's argument that he's the best hope for staving off left-wing lunacy must now consider whether a new governor, unhindered by scandal and with a fresh reservoir of public support, can do better. Do you understand that mindset? Is that a legitimate uh, school of thought here? 
I, I, I am a believer in democracy and multiple opinions and a lot of discussion. And the New York Post has a particular point of view. They, uh, they are, never mind my opinion. Look, they're entitled to their opinion. They got a lot of ink and they publish a lot of newspapers and bless them. And we need a functioning, working free press on a constant basis. Not the question. What did he do that deserves that he should be removed? How do you feel about what did he do? Well, when you talk about there's a couple of things, Uh, I'm not saying he should be removed. I'm saying this is the story right now. But I'm saying there's a couple of things going on with the nursing home deaths and with the 5,000 was uh, 9,000, now 15,000. And then you have four staffers working with fellow health uh, officials to change numbers. If that gets back to him, do you think that is something that warrants a look at impeachment or removal? That is a different question. When that occurs, we should talk about it. Listen, I'm an honest broker in this. I've worked for the governor, and I took him out of the governor's race in 2002. So I'm first the only failure he's ever had in public life at an election. I'm an honest guy in this thing. This has less to, to, for me, it has less to do with Andrew Cuomo than how we conduct or don't conduct our government. If there is indication that he committed a crime, then have him indicted and get rid of him. But thus far, there is not. And he's entitled to his day in court like anybody else is. And by the way, the nursing home issue, but in defense of New York State, it's not just the New York State issue. The number of people that died in nursing homes and whether those those statistics are accurate around the country is something that the Justice Department, frankly, if they intend to do, ought to be looking at very carefully and very clearly, whether they be without fear or favor, Republican, Democrat, independent. It doesn't matter if it's wrong. It's wrong. Bring us back. How did Pataki beat Mario Cuomo? Um, there was a fellow in the race that most people, Brian, you've not met maybe or, or other people have not met. And I've hardly met. It's a guy named Been Around Too Long. And when Been Around Too Long tends to show up, incumbents, long-term incumbents tend to be defeated. Very simple. Been Around Too Long was there when Mario Cuomo showed up, and that was the end of him. Could you have a similar situation today? That may very, very well be what you're having. Could you elect a Republican again in New York State to be the governor? Yes, you could. A centrist Republican. Likely not in the Trump corner as much, likely someone who could take large portions of, of more uh, somewhat center-right voters, um, particularly in the case of New York City and New York State, uh, would be Orthodox Jews who aren't friends of the Republic, of the Democrat Party overall, who don't like this governor right now, Cuomo, and who probably could, could elect a centrist Republican by giving him the 20 percent he or she would need in New York City. Do you believe New York State has changed that much, though, in 10 years? I know you think it's a possibility. Would it be harder for a Republican to win than, than George Pataki, who got two terms? It, um, George Pataki, I think, was elected three terms. Three terms. And, um, and he, he's a nice fella, and he, he, his, his personality fit the moment. The other thing that we're witnessing is, is, is a rule that's pretty much true in American politics. said the guy who's worked on 700 campaigns around the world, and the rule is – Candidates, candidates and candidacies are successful because they fit the moment. And the moment is shifting very great, very significantly. And when that moment shifts, incumbents who have been elected tend to lose their standing. That's what's going on with Andrew Cuomo. Could you elect a Republican in New York State? You could elect a Republican who was out of the center, was not a Trumpnik, okay, uh, or someone that was that the president attacked, the, the, uh, the President Trump had attacked, would it be a good idea who was a Republican? and who can get enough votes in New York City. And the only way you're going to get them is the Orthodox Jews. It's 20% of the population. To get that 20% number, there are about 500,000 from Orthodox Jews in New York City. Um, they were the voting, voting number about 120,000, I would guess. You know, it's simple arithmetic. Has the state shifted? 
the state's in turmoil, and we're going to see pretty interesting things happen all over the country because um, the country's in turmoil politically. It's not what we think it is. What do you mean? Where are we? Where, what do I think it is? What do you think the conventional well, wisdom is? Well, not you personally. Forgive me. It's a generic. Um, the closeness of races and the closeness of contests in the United States House of Representatives last fall should be an indication that things are changing. In fact, the Democrats didn't pick up as many seats as they could have. Um, a lot will depend. Uh, it seems to be uh, – we don't know. You know, the, the, it used to be that you'd look and say, well, the president's doing good. The party in power will do good across the board. But midterm elections are unusual phenomenons, and, you know, and we live in very difficult times where things are unpredictable. Things are very unpredictable, which means change. Lee Zeldin uh, and Trump is a you know obviously uh, they they respect each other they've been sticking up for each other. He's Jewish. He's from Suffolk County. Uh, he keeps winning that seat over again. Is he does he fit the profile of somebody that could be successful because he's considering a run? Lee Zeldin is uh, is a very serious man who works very hard for his constituents. Who is uh, should he stay in the house and not and not run for governor? He would have to give up his seat if he runs for governor. Uh, would be likely on his way, uh, by, whether you were a Republican or Democrat, you'd have to look and say Zeldin is long-term leadership timber in the House of Representatives if and when, and the Republicans will at some point take back the House. He will be uh, on, his, on, the, on, the move, on the line to being Speaker at one point. He has to make that decision. Can he win a statewide race in New York? With his relationship to Trump and the fact that it'll be very hard to move away from Trump will make it difficult for him. Can he get the 20 percent in New York City? With the Orthodox Jews, he might be able to get to 20 percent in New York City. Can he win the rest of the state? He'll do very well upstate. Um, he'll do very well in most of Long Island. But there's, there's, some, there's a question whether the Trump, um, the Trump relationship will be difficult for him to overcome, where it needs to be overcome. It doesn't need to be overcome everywhere, but there are certain pockets of the population he needs where it, where it has to be overcome. And Hank Shankov, our guest, my last question to you is today, Governor Cuomo, or yesterday, said, I'm not taking tax increases off the table. Uh, in a time in which the, the, the city has basically been shut down and he's trying to keep sure. people here, is that the best policy? It may not be the best policy, but the politics of it is somewhat different. If he wants to get rid of the progressives off his back and he moves to say yes to the millionaire's tax, which has been a long discussion, and there's some research to indicate that the millionaire's tax is not as toxic as people think, quite frankly. New York's losing population anyway. It lost it this matter in the 70s when it went through a financial crisis and had tremendous, tremendous issues that took 20 years to overcome. You know, look, tax on the table gets rid of the progressives attacking him right now. That's the political move, and that's the threat. Will he use it? It's not impossible. Let's see. Stay tuned. That's right. Hank Shankoff, that's the theme. Stay tuned. We don't know yet. Uh, thanks so much, Hank. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. All the best. You got it. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. Gave you a lot. Let's find out uh, what you have on your mind. Call now. 1-866-408-7669. The Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides. All opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. Got a few minutes here. So let's go to the phones. William, you're listening online in Mexico. William. Hey, good morning, Brian. How you doing? Good. Where, what brought you to Mexico? Do you live there? I used to work down here, and uh, I decided it was an inexpensive place to retire. I still got my place up in Pennsylvania, but uh, the winters are much nicer down here, you know? So well, you're seeing this immigration thing. What's your take from your perspective? Well, you know, down here, uh, since December, the, uh, the increase in people driving on the trains, jumping off the bestia, uh, has increased. And uh, before, there was really just Lat- Latinos that I saw. Now there's groups of Africans and all sorts of different um, nationalities coming through. So the world message is that the door is open. We'll just run through the chaos and let you in. That is uh, terrible. And that's exactly what we're seeing. You can't, you can, and the Remain in Mexico policy was working. Relations between the U.S. and Mexico, I would say, has been better than any time in my lifetime. And the cooperation was there, and it's it's all gone. Thanks, William. Eric, listen, WNDB in Daytona Beach. Eric. Hey, Brian. Uh, sad that we have to have this discussion. Um, this is right out of one of the oldest playbooks there is. You're a history buff. This goes right back to Boss Tweed in Tammany Hall, who uh, he pretty much bought votes. When the, Irish, when the Irish came off the ships, he handed them a voter registration card immediately, whether they were a citizen or not. And this also applies to the election. He made the statement, it's not who votes, it's who counts the votes. So uh, this is just history repeating itself. And you're talking about uh, H.R. 1? Oh, yeah. I mean, can this even be stopped? Well, it can be stopped because it's unconstitutional. The Constitution says that the states run their elections, which is how we got in this mess. The Supreme Court didn't want to get involved at the federal level because— the states, the states run, run the election. So, where do we go from here, Brian? It's got to stop it. That's a, it's got to. It's, I don't know if it passed out, but let's say it does. Okay, HR one goes into the Senate. You've got to make sure it doesn't become law. Simple as that. And then it's got to motivate people to make sure the House goes to Republican hands and the Senate next time. And then you take an inept president who lost his fastball twenty years ago, or at least ten. And then you you make sure he's throttled to through uh, held to executive orders. It, his policies are so bad; it's actually mobilizing Republicans and reunifying them. That that's how bad they are, and that's how scary it is. He is set to raise the corporate tax rate back to forty one percent. Are you kidding me? And bring capital gains up again? So he's trying to destroy the country because he's trying to kiss up to Bernie Sanders. It's nuts, nuts. That's what's next. Uh, what's next is true. I want to play one thing for you from Axios. Our good friend Jonathan Swan did an interview with Lindsey Graham, and he talked about his party, and he talked about his buddy, the president of the United States, but he's very candid. Cut 34. What I'm trying to do is just harness the magic. To me, Donald Trump is sort of a cross between uh, uh, Jesse Helms, uh, Ronald Reagan, and P.T. Barnum. I mean, it's just it's just this bigger-than-life deal, he could make the Republican Party something that nobody else I know could make it. It could make it bigger. He could make it stronger. He could make it more diverse. Um, and he also could destroy it. And he tries to let him know that. That's why he's trying desperately to say, yeah, I could be friends with John McCain. I could be friends with Joe Lieberman. 
I could be friends with Joe Biden. But I really like Donald Trump, even though we've gotten at it a few times because I see more good than bad. But he also wants him not to get into the primary thing and try and go after Republicans. But guess what? He's going after Lisa Murkowski in Alaska. And even though he can't primary her, that's not the way it works. He's targeting her. Lindsay, get back in there. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming up in a matter of moments, Michael Goodwin brings you inside New York politics as it relates to Washington. Of course, what's happening with Governor Cuomo. And then more of my exclusive interview with Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, a place we all want to be with a philosophy like that. We'll teach you everything to know about the coronavirus. We'll tell you how to be safe. And then we're going to let you live your lives, run your business to the best uh, to the best way possible. And if you run your business and you're not safe, people will not go to your business. You can have sporting events. You can have spring break. You can have the Super Bowl. But we're not going to destroy your lives. While knowing that tourism is virtually stopped, the cruise ships are no not coming in. I was able to spend the day with them Friday. You saw two parts of my interview on television. This is going to be the unedited end where we talked about everything. So you're going to want to be around for that. And the phone number to be part of the show, 1-866-408-7669. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The border is breaking down as I speak. Immigration in 2022 will be a bigger issue than it was in 2016. I just got back from the border. They're changing every policy of Trump that worked. So we're going to be dealing with, as a nation, out-of-control immigration. No question. Immigration. The Biden administration can pretend it's not a crisis, but it won't make it go away. And it's getting bigger as illegals flood the border as his minions put catch and release on steroids. Number two. There are some legislators who suggest that I resign because of accusations that are made against me. I'm not going to resign because of allegations. The premise of resigning because of allegations is actually anti-democratic. There is no way I resign. I got that sense. Never thought you would. Cuomo's critics and accusers are coming at him in waves as calls continue to have him resign. Predictably, he is in denial. Number one. I want to thank all of the senators who worked so hard to reach a compromise through the right thing for the American people during this crisis and voted to pass the American Rescue Plan. It obviously wasn't easy. It wasn't always pretty, but it was so desperately needed. Really? You haven't spent a trillion dollars. You just got $900 billion in December. Desperately needed? We'll run down what's actually included. It was supposed to be easy. Indeed, this rescue plan passes the Senate on a pure party line vote. Now it's back to the House. Biden declares victory, but who really won? We've got to look at what's in it and what other measures are about to be jammed down our throats. Uh, Michael Goodwin joins us now, Fox News contributor, uh, New York Post uh, premier columnist. Michael, welcome back. Good morning, Brian. Thank you. And before we talk about Governor Cuomo and his perils and his, and his uh, political perils, I got to get this this whole rescue package. He wanted to be bipartisan. This thing was built to be bipartisan. They had three other rescue packages with Donald Trump as president that got 90 votes in the Senate. Why is he taking a bow 
when he got 50 votes in the Senate and he has the majority? Yeah, I think this is uh, going to uh, be one of the great missteps of the Biden presidency. Um, As you'll recall, Brian, uh, the 10 Republican senators came to the White House with a plan early on. They they took him up on his Pledge of Unity. Ten votes, ten Republican votes would have given them 60, uh, would have been able to break the filibuster that way. And I think it would have set the stage. It would have been a defining moment for the Biden presidency. And I think it would have set the stage for other bipartisan partisan measures in the Senate. Uh, But Biden scoffed at it. uh, And it, it, I think, is now you see the the difference between that 60 vote and this 50 vote with uh, Kamala Harris breaking the tie. Uh, You see that, or she didn't need to, actually, because uh, one of the Republicans was away, uh, that you know, this has become a single-party measure. Now, look, the Republicans did the same thing with reconciliation. So we'll have to see if this is now the model for the Democrats in the Senate or if this was a one-off. But I think already it, it, was, it is a misstep because Biden cannot govern only from the left. I mean, if, if his only uh, complaints are going to come from within his own party that he's not going far enough to the left, I think he's going to find his presidency hogged at some point because he won't be able to get anything done because he will have spurned any kind of bipartisanship. I agree. $300 extra for unemployment, so you get your unemployment plus extra. $350 billion for state governments. If your unemployment's high, you get more, which means those who lock down will get more. Exact opposite uh, incentives you should be giving. Child tax credit is going to be substantial. Uh, I mentioned $130 billion for schools. $200 million for the Institute of Museum and Libraries, 91 million student loan outreach, 50 million environmental justice grants, 10 million preservation of Native American languages. Exactly. During the pandemic, the first thing the virus goes for is Native American languages. Unbelievable that nobody brings this up on all the Sunday shows. Why the Republicans were against this. Michael, it's leaving off half the story. At the very least, list some of the things that don't belong in the package and say that's why the Republicans didn't vote for it, that they offered to put almost $700 billion forward. Well, it, it, one thing it also shows you, Brian, is that uh, nobody has any uh, faith anymore that the pandemic is going to last forever. I think the vaccines have, uh, the Trump vaccine, has shown that the, 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 this pandemic can be defeated. And so Democrats are already looking beyond that to other things. But those other things should have been debated on their own merits, not stuffed into this bill and hiding under the idea that it's an emergency to save the nation. These things do not save the nation. They try to save the Democratic Party. Yesterday, uh, over the weekend, uh, five, uh, a fifth woman has come forward with sexual misconduct allegations against uh, Governor Cuomo. Uh, and uh, her name is Anna Liss, one of Cuomo's former aides, accused the governor of calling her sweetheart, touching her lower back during an event, kissing her hand once when she got up to the desk, made her feel uh, un, you know, unhappy and uneasy. Uh, Karen Hinton has similar complaints. Uh, these are going to be investigated by the attorney general. And instead of the governor sitting back, he pressed forward, cut 21. On the miss list, uh, if you look, there was a, a story that one of the papers looked at 150 employees uh, who worked for me over 40 years. You see the same pattern. Uh, I say to people in the office, how are you doing? Uh, how's everything? Are you going out? Uh, are you dating? 
that's my way of doing friendly banter. So he's going at this, each one individually. What about that strategy? Does it surprise you? It does, Brian. Uh, I mean, I don't know. There's no record of him asking young men if they go out and are they dating and kissing their hands. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that this is not uh, some form of sexual uh, relationship, uh, grooming even, uh, within the office of employees. I mean, that is the story they're telling. For him to dismiss it all as just the way I the way I behave, I, I'm Italian, I kiss, I hug, <laughs> it doesn't work. He's not, you know, the, the odds of his being forced out, I think, are growing because of the way he's been handling these press conferences since these allegations broke. Uh, you'll recall that he, for a, for a long time, was in hiding for more than a week, and he's now made two apologies, uh, one in writing and one on camera last week. Both of them have bombed. So all of the answers he's been giving uh, are not working. And I think uh, what you're seeing in, as a result is the anger building, and you're seeing more and more members of his own party calling him to resign. Now, yesterday, uh, the, state's, the head of the state Senate, uh, a woman named uh, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, uh, the majority leader, called for him to resign, said he must resign because he can't govern this way and nobody can get anything done. Uh, the uh, assembly leader, uh, also a Democrat. Carl Heasty, he, this is, here's Carl his quote. Heasty, he, he said, I, I share those sentiments, though he did not use yeah. the word resign. Now, what's going on, Brian, is that at some point, if the governor doesn't resign and these calls continue to expand among members of his own party, he is going to face an impeachment measure. And he reportedly told Cousins yesterday, Stuart Cousins, uh, I will never resign. You'll have to impeach me. Well, I think her statement uh, coming after that uh, says that the, the clock is ticking on impeachment, that soon enough they probably will have the, the votes. With the Republicans, they'll have the votes in both chambers. And then I think uh, Cuomo will have to reassess. Now, look, none of this is set in stone. It's a very fluid situation. But I think the odds of him surviving are declining day by day right so now. So you, along with Janice Dean, are the first to say there's a huge problem with this nursing home situation. He keeps avoiding it. Then the numbers were skewed. Instead of five, it was 9,000. Instead of 9,000, it was 15,000. And then you find out that... Health officials in New York State were pressured by his staffers to change these numbers, one of which since it resigned. You know, of course, not him yet, not him directly. Here's what Governor Ron DeSantis said about the whole thing, because this whole nursing home policy was put in front of him as governor of Florida. Cut 24. What's your reaction to what's erupting in New York? I think on the nursing home, we were given models saying you're going to have no hospital beds in five days. Now, those were fake, flawed models. They were basically one step up from astrology. I rejected the models and said we're not sending the patients back to nursing them. But other governors were under pressure to, to clear out all these hospital beds. So that's what motivated it. I don't think it was motivated. I think it was more of a panic decision. But that of any decision any governor makes, whether you protected the nursing homes or didn't, was the most significant in terms of mortality. You could save the most lives by protecting the nursing homes, and you would obviously cost a lot of lives if you made the nursing homes hotbeds for transmission. You but instead, he denied. He said it was the federal government's policy. Uh, I never did that. We don't have the right numbers. We're still trying to figure it out. So he skewed that. But now you get inside the governor's mindset, right? 
Well, you know, Brian, what, what's interesting about this, is, as Governor DeSantis points out there, that these are choices. And you can, you can always defend the wrong choice. I mean, as a leader, I mean, everybody made mistakes during the early days Absolutely. of the pandemic. Everybody, every politician of, of both parties. Nobody was perfect. But instead of, you know, explaining why he did what he did, uh, Cuomo decided to lie about it. He decided to blame other people. He said, he said you know, that, that me and the New York Post, we're responsible. We, we, this is all politics. You. Yeah, he mentioned yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, repeatedly, uh, and, and as well as colleagues of mine, uh, he blamed President Trump. He blamed the federal government regulations, which in no way told him to do what he did. So this was a New York State decision. It was also a decision in New Jersey, although with some more wiggle room. But the nursing homes in New York had no choice. They had to accept these patients. And this, this at a time when families could not visit for fear they would bring the virus into the nursing homes. So how can you keep the families out, but then tell the same facilities they must accept patients who are being discharged from hospitals, who are still COVID positive, and you can't even test them when they get there. That would be discriminatory to find out if they're positive. I mean, none of this made any sense in the world, except, as DeSantis says, it was a panic reaction to the, to the mob that you're going to need right. more hospital beds. And here's why New Jersey should be given a, a, a different view in Pennsylvania than New York. This is because New York was crying, we're, we're left here, they, they led us to die here, so he got a hospital ship, and he got the Army Corps of Engineers to convert the Javits Center into a hospital. He didn't use either. So he got answers to his, to his whimpering and whining, and he didn't use it. New Jersey could, of course, probably have used it, but that wasn't built for them. So That's right. North Pennsylvania. That's right. And and once the governor Cuomo went down that road, yes. Then instead of accepting the results and un, you know explaining, he began to lie. So it was the cover up, and and which continued even when the FBI and the Justice Department was looking for the documents about how many deaths there were. He started hiding them from the FBI. He started hiding them from, of course, the public, from the legislature. So it, and then he created a phony report to try to deflect responsibility. So it's it really is. That that old thing, you know, it's, it, it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. I mean, he could have explained why he did what he did, but instead, he, he, you know, Andrew Cuomo doesn't trust anybody, and so he always goes into this defensive crouch and then lashes out, and that's what he did here, and, and it's only deepened uh, the problems for him, mm-hmm. because he's got these two investigations, one a federal investigation into the nursing home deceptions, right. and the other into the allegations of sexual harassment in the workplace. So yeah. he's really dug himself a hole, two holes, uh, with his with his uh, conduct. His arrogance, uh, his, his pomposity has uh, it doesn't you can't make me uh, turn and feel bad for him, even though he's crying now. Uh, the, he laid he made his bed. Now he has to lay in it and try to find a way to get out of it. Or stay in it, I should say, because it's all coming to a head. We'll see if any more any more staffers come forward. Uh, Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. Look forward to your next column. And, of course, you know for sure the governor won't like it.
Guaranteed. You got it. Uh, Michael Goodwin, Fox News contributor, New York Post columnist. When we come back, we'll take your calls, 1-866-408-7669. And then we will welcome in, well, we'll bring you an interview with Governor Ron DeSantis. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. We have to acknowledge that what is the public likely to do with uh, any guidance that we give them. And if we just tell people that they've got to stay cocooned, that they've got to stay in their homes, that they've got to continue to wear their mask even though they're fully vaccinated, they're not going to do that. They're going to disregard the public health recommendations. So we have to get real. We have to say, you know what, what does it mean if I've not seen my grandchildren for the last year and I'm now vaccinated, my spouse is vaccinated, uh, you know, can I see those kids or not? They're not likely to have vaccine through next fall or next winter. We have to be practical. And I worry a little bit that we will basically stay with this idea that we've had all along, do this or else. And so I hope that the CDC guidance acknowledges that people are not going to do uh, the extreme of staying masked for 2022. Dr. Osterholm saying, so I just want to tell you, this is the same thing that was brought up two weeks ago, that he ends up siding with me. He doesn't even know me. I've never met him. But he signed with the premise that if I got a vaccination and I'm a senior and I want to see my grandkids for the first time in a year, I will go. Got both vaccinations, I will go. And they say, well, you could not get it, but you could carry the virus to your kid. Well, the chances of that kid being positive because of a senior are so tiny. And plus, a kid does not suffer the effects of this. The numbers are overwhelming around around the country. So you can't... There's no doctor that should appear on television that talks about lockdown or denial without a psychiatrist next to him or her. Because you cannot take just the science. There's the psychology and the economics in all these decisions. When they look back and study this, they will point that out. Here is Senator John Barrasso on Meet the Press, Cut 16. As a doctor, I will tell you, I am very optimistic about where we are with Operation Warp Speed. Three vaccines that we're vaccinating 2 million people a day, everybody vaccinated by May. This is dramatic. It is very, very impressive from a medical standpoint. Also from a medical standpoint, we know these lockdowns have been terrible for people all around the country in terms of depression, suicide. We need the country open. We need kids back in school every day with a mask, without a mask. We know how to stay safe. We know what we need to do. Yes, 100%. We know exactly what we need to do. So let us do it. And by the way, 2.7 and 2.6 over the weekend vaccinations around the country. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So, you know, there's uh, there's hot politicians. Uh, Governor Christie was hot uh, for a, a while. And then you have uh, Mike Pompeo who's going to be legitimate. Tom Cotton is going to be a legitimate contender uh, in the past for a while. Gavin Newsom was hot. So you see them on television. You watch them for five minutes. You see them handle issues. But you wonder to yourself, what do they really like? What led to this? And where do they think they're going? So I had a chance to talk to the hottest politician in America right now, Governor Ron DeSantis. Defiant in many ways, tackling the toughest decision any politician will make. And I think more than war, it's a because the war is really a president and some Congress people vote. I think this pandemic, because you have 50 people with 50 different ways of handling health uh, health and their consequences. What he did is opened up quick and clo- he closed up quick. He, and he uh, opened up quick, all in the month of April, and he took a lot of heat for it, and there were deaths. And But the thing is, a lot of people lived, and the suicide was down, and the kids got to school, and now the businesses are up, and you can go 100% into restaurants. And people wear masks when, when a store requires it. If not, it's up to you. I like that idea. I love that idea. I hate what's happened to New York. But I wanted to sit down with Governor Ron DeSantis, who's not yet 43, he is somebody who came out of nowhere, was in the Little League World Series where he was a superstar, ends up being so good in baseball and his grades so great, he actually got an offer to go to Yale and he went. Never been to the Northeast before where he graduated magna cum laude and went from a four-year starter and captain of Yale to Harvard Law School and then instead of going to a big firm, joined the Navy as an officer and went to Iraq and then Gitmo. Then out of nowhere, he joins U.S. Congress, and now he's on the cusp of being maybe a leading contender to be the next president. Here's a little from my sit-down and my day with Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. So, Governor, what was this day like compared to all the others? I see you with your binder. We start at your house and your family. Then it's over to your office, and then it's uh, multiple stops. Yeah, pretty typical. Five stops Pretty today. typical day, and I think you got the full treatment of the kids running around, which is very normal for us, and being able to do some of the things that we've done is, um, is pretty much what we've been doing day in and day out, and you got to see some neat stuff. I mean, we were able to go do a senior vaccination site in one of our senior communities, and then we, you saw the first Johnson & Johnson uh, shots that the state of Florida has administered with our law enforcement personnel, so it's exciting. I feel like we've accomplished a lot. Then back to the office, and then what you really want to do is get back home yeah family understanding how hard your job is and how how long sometimes your days are they do and uh, you remember when i asked madison this morning what are we going to do this weekend strawberry festival so she's really excited about that going to go on some carnival rides be able to let her eat some junk food and so we're looking forward to doing that which is a lot of pressure on uh mrs desantis and casey i was well up for the challenge it's hard to be around you be able to cover you uh, for the last few years and not see uh, and hear the buzz about you. And you see the polls with you now 53% approval rating, the uh, Mason-Dixon poll, and you see the uh, what you've done in the state, uh, and then you see the way you received at CPAC. The buzz is that if Donald Trump doesn't run, that uh, Governor DeSantis, even though he's not even 50 yet, he's <laughs> not even 45, is going to try to be President DeSantis. Well, look, I I think that we're in 2021. I mean, I think the reason why people have appreciated what I'm doing is because I'm here leading every day. I mean, I believe you get into office, you have an opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. You can't be afraid of your own shadow. you got to get out and lead. 
And that means when things may not be always as popular, like when we put the kids in school, it's very controversial. It's obviously the right thing to do when we made sure we were protecting these small businesses. So that's kind of what I'm focused on. We're going to have a re-election in 2022. But I think that one of the things I would tell folks when they're, because there's always speculation that people have, we're in a lot of fights right now. And I mean, I think that that'll sort it out. Obviously, people are going to be looking to see what, what Donald Trump's going to do. But man, we've got big tech. We've got lawlessness. We have election integrity. And so that's what we're just going to focus on every day. But I think the fact that some folks are, are appreciative of what I was doing, it really is a lesson to other elected officials. Don't go around and try to posture and do stuff. Get things done. I think that's the hunger right now with Republican voters. Right on your report card. Yeah. But uh, the Secretary of State, who is also a, a big supporter of the president, and I think it's vice versa, is Mike Pompeo. And he said the other night, yeah, I'm considering it. So would you say that that's, would that's something I could put in Ron DeSantis could say that you're considering it in 2024, yeah, especially if you win again in 2022. Yeah, I wouldn't say that because it's just it's so premature to even have the discussion. I got a job to do right now. We work hard every day for it. I'm going to have a great election uh, fight in 2022. Uh, trust me, we, we had a tough one in 18. You know, I think we're going to have a great record to be able to do it. But that's really what, what you got to be focused on. And I know there's folks, oh, three, four years out are always doing this. But just think about in 2016 cycle. If we were sitting here in 2013, no one would have said Donald Trump. Everyone had all these other ideas about what was going to happen. So these things, there's this a lifetime in politics. Get as much done as you can in the here and now. That's what I'm going to be doing, and we're going to run through the tape. And in 2013, no one would have said Ron DeSantis, oh, he's going to be president someday, would they have? Or in the back of your mind, were you well, saying just that? my college baseball coach, as you remember, he had Yale for whatever reason he thought so. Uh, so that. But look, I mean, th this state, I mean, I think you got to see a little bit of it. And I know you know you've been down here a lot. We've got some great people in this state. This is an honor and a privilege to be the governor of a great state, a state where things are happening, a state that people want to come to, a state that's really doing it right and is a dynamic place to be. And there's other states in this country that have seen better days, quite mm -hmm. frankly. There's other states where uh, you don't have the same excitement as you do every day here in the state of Florida. I 100% see that. I understand that, especially there's so much focus on elections in Florida for sometimes the, uh, the problems you've had, but not last time. The people continue to talk about uh, the division in the party, that you have uh, Liz Cheney who came out and he's got a lot of respect as a conservative, said, you know, Donald Trump, we have to move on from Donald Trump. Kevin McCarthy, I don't believe, feels uh, that way at all, um, and I know how the president felt. Do you see a divide in your party? Not with grassroots voters. I mean, I think that if you look what the president accomplished, people appreciate those accomplishments. Donald Trump upset a lot of kind of stale orthodoxies in the party, and he was right to do it. I mean, we are never going to go back to the failed Republican establishment of yesteryear. Our voters don't want that. We don't want open borders. We don't want weakness against China. Um, and we want to make sure that we're using our military to support our country, but not getting involved in these quagmires. And so I think that Trump reset the dynamic, and I think you have 90% support for that. Some of these people may not like Trump personally, but what they're trying to do is use opposition to Trump, not just against him personally. They want his agenda to no longer be. They want to go back to the old establishment. That is not happening. If the, the president, who you guys are friends with, play golf together, and he's a big supporter of yours, if he says to you, what do you think I should do, Ron? Do you think I should run again? What would you tell him? 
You know, I would tell them, honestly, uh, just take care of yourself for a while. All this stuff shakes out. And then as we get into past 2022, we'll see what, what it looks like and then make your decision at that time. But I think it would be a mistake for him to say, I'm not going to do it right now. But also think it would be a mistake to say, I'm definitely, because things change and you got to figure out where you're going to be. Now, uh, there's a couple of fights you took on, and one was Big Tech. And you expressed to me your concern about what happened, jarred almost, would you say, you basically took down, they took down a president's ability to communicate on social media. That alarmed the president of Mexico. That alarmed Angela Merkel. Sure. And then they took down a competitor of Twitter, and it's not back yet in parlor. What what are you thinking about as governor of Florida, a supporter of the president, when they had this type of reach, and they decided, these competitors decided to unite to shut down? Well, we cannot allow our country to be run by leftist oligarchs in Silicon Valley. It's as simple as that. They cannot control speech. They should not be able to control commerce. And so we have unveiled a series of big tech reforms that are the strongest anywhere in the country. If you deplatform a candidate, you're getting fined $100,000 a day. If you deplatform or censor an individual Floridian, they have the ability to potentially sue you under our Unfair and Deceptive Trade Practices Act. So can our state attorney general can go after big tech. And then your privacy. They take all your data privacy. They make all this money. You should have the ability to opt out of that. Just because you buy a phone, that doesn't mean they should be able to track you every minute of the day. Homestead, Florida is the home for illegal immigrants who cross the border, and we have no place to put them. It became a lightning rod, and people were protesting against President Trump. Well, I don't know if you've heard about the border, but it's being overrun again. What is that going to hit Florida? The, I think it's going to hit the whole country, and just think about well, this. Homestead in particular, right? You have no control over that No, facility? no, it's a federal facility, and, and, and those folks are there or not. And look, my view is Trump had the right policy. The remain in Mexico worked. Biden is opening the border. And just think how hypocritical this. He tells the average American, you're a Neanderthal if you want to live in an open state. He threatened to quarantine my state of Florida because so many people wanted to travel here. But yet, he will let these people go across the border, even people that have COVID, they're releasing into the communities. It's entirely reckless. It's terrible policy. And it is going to cause problems in our country And it's being done for ideological reasons. No one can look at this substantively and say that these movements are better than what Trump. Trump got control of the border. It wasn't just the wall. It was also some of the policy. So we're made in Mexico. Governor Lamont happens to be a Democrat. And he basically has the same policy as Texas. Is he a Neanderthal? Yeah. No, well, exactly. But that's the thing. COVID is used by the corporate media to uh, hit Republicans and people in the other party of them. And the Democrats... They always treat much better. That's just what they've done throughout the whole time in COVID. And even to this day, they will act like some of these states with the top death rates in the country did well. And then they'll look at Florida, one of the oldest states in the country. Our death rate is below the national average. Our senior mortality for COVID per capita is less than 40 other states. We've put seniors first. We protected our nursing homes. We didn't send sick patients to nursing homes. We prevented hospitals from sending sick patients to nursing homes. And it makes a difference in saving lives. I know you don't really know Governor Cuomo personally that well, but I'm sure you've seen the turmoil with the nursing homes and with the personal accusations of sexual harassment. What's your reaction to what's erupting in New York? This is a guy that was looked at as the anti-Trump. He could communicate. Robert De Niro thinks he's cool. 
Well, look, I think on the nursing homes, the issues that the Harvard governor had to face, we were given models saying you're going to have no hospital beds in five days. Now, those were fake, flawed models. They were basically one step up from astrology. I rejected the models and said we're not sending the patients back to nursing homes. But other governors were under pressure to, to clear out all these hospital beds. So that's what motivated it. I don't think it was motivated. I think it was more of a, a panic decision. But that of any decision any governor makes, whether you protected the nursing homes or didn't, was the most significant in terms of mortality. You could save the most lives by protecting the nursing homes, and you would obviously cost a lot of lives if you made the nursing homes hotbeds for transmission. You also had the Javits Center. You're probably not familiar with that. But they also had the, the, the hospital ship. You know what you just did? You explained. What do you think about the decision by a chief executive not to explain their mindset and to not be candid about the numbers? Well, I think what happens is, particularly the, the corporate press, they're very partisan. They're going to treat a governor like that much different than they'll treat somebody who is a Republican or somebody that supports Trump. And I think that you can get away with some of that. And then now, for whatever reason, there's the knives are out. But for most of that, we knew the problems with the nursing homes months ago in a lot of these states. We knew the policies were flawed, but it wasn't something that they really wanted to delve into because it would have upset the narrative. Lastly, uh, just to review just where you've come from, this middle-class kid from the middle of uh, Florida, from Tampa, Dunedin, Dunedin, excuse me, uh, who loves baseball, ends up at Yale, goes to Harvard Law School, uh, then goes and fights in Iraq, joins the military, and then finds himself in the U.S. Congress, and now finds himself governor of the fastest-growing state maybe in the country and third most populous, and I would argue the best country in the world. Did you predict this? No. Um, you know, I would have wanted to play baseball as long as I could, um, but, you know, it is what it is. And so, but I think that it's the type of thing where I always just believed in working hard and good things will happen. And so not everything's gone my way in life, but if you keep working hard, and I just I tell young people, look, work hard, keep knocking on the door. It may not open the first time, but it will open, and it may not necessarily be the path that you initially thought, but you can still do a lot of great things. And so I think I've been blessed with a strong work ethic, and I think that's one of the reasons why we've been able to be successful. How, how proud are your parents of what you've become? Well, I think they're proud. I mean, I remember when um, I got on the plane to go to college. I had never really been to New England in my life coming from West Central Florida. I had jean shorts on and a T-shirt. Like, I was Florida man showing up at an Ivy League school, and I think it was almost like something we wouldn't have thought of at the time. And so I think that they were, they were really proud of that. And then I think they appreciated that I was a self-starter, and they knew that, that I was going to work hard and I was going to do them proud. Yeah, but the problem is you don't have a car and you don't have your own house. That's right. Well, we so when you when you become governor, it's obviously the governor's mansion. We have young kids, so we don't have an ability to go back and forth a lot of places. So we did sell our home in Ponte Vedra Beach. And then because you have the security, they drive you. And so I sold my F-150 King Ranch. My wife sold her Ford Explorer. And, uh, and it's odd because from the moment I won the election, we've had security. Uh, on us since so that's November of 2018. Right. And when I was a congressman, you're just a part. You can do whatever whatever you want. The governor, it's just a different environment. And our kids, I don't know that they know any different at this point because Madison's four, Mason's going to be three at the end of the month, and Mamie's right. one. And so it's just interesting. Going to be interesting to watch how they develop 
in kind of a bubble environment. Right. I would say they're on the right track from what I saw. <laughs> so well, you got to see them in that big punch bowl, which they haven't really done that in, in about a year and a half. And so that was a pretty interesting thing when they were in the governor's mansion. So, uh, Governor, thanks for the day, yeah. your average work day. But I know you, you're going to go back to the office and keep working. Absolutely. Well, right. thanks for coming down. Yeah, absolutely. People around here love what you guys are doing. And you guys, you guys got a great reception. So right. good on you. Thanks so much, Governor. Uh, yeah, and uh, Governor DeSantis, very nice of him. Uh, by the end of the day, no one wants to be with me for 12 hours, and he did. We talked the whole time, and that was the end interview, which we're not able to air on television, so you heard the first thing, and maybe the only time it'll air. Uh, maybe we can post it. But keep in mind, too, when he says the punch ball, he meant his picture this huge thing. It looks like the Stanley Cup. Two of his kids fit in it. All three of them together are under four years old, running around uh, the governor's mansion. His wife, Casey, extremely talented, former uh, an anchor in Jacksonville. Back in a moment, Brian Kilmeade Show. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Got a few minutes here, so let's go to the phones. Let's go to Ann, listening in Staten Island. Hey, Ann, WABC. Good morning. Um, this is about Tomo. Um, he repeatedly says that he does not. He has never touched a woman inappropriately. Yes. Uh, he seems, as usual, to de- deflect the the problem to the victim. He never, ever. Admitted. Well, he said that he watched that harassment presentation. He said he sent a staffer, evidently. Yeah, which is mandatory. I mean, we we see that in my office. I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's little scenarios you have to answer questions. We do. He never did that. He does not understand that you don't have to touch a woman inappropriately. There's other ways that you such a man can or a woman can sexually harass somebody. So he obviously never, he lied again, never took the test. And I do want to preface this by saying, one, I think the nursing home situation is really the major one. But I know that there are also people that say, well, a woman can say anything. As he has said, technically and truthfully, I have usually stuck up for the man, stuck up for Trump when he was accused of saying something inappropriately 16 years prior when he right. was so where do you stand now you think he should go oh my god you know yeah. he's got to go yeah well hank Scheinkoff, a longtime democratic strategist says no if they haven't proven anything even though most of his accusers are democrats and all of them are women let alone what's happening at the nursing homes arguably much more serious i don't think there's an argument brian kilmichio New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
From New York, heard around the country, heard around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I would argue the fastest-growing radio show in all the land. Bottom of the hour, Brett Baer. Next, Janice Dean on International Women's Day. We'd have her on anyway, but she also has a great book out, bestseller already. And Fox News senior meteorologist who has been taking on the fight against the incompetency and arrogance of Governor Andrew Cuomo before these sexual allegations came out. It was on the nursing home situation, the way he handled it. And now the fight has finally come to fruition. He has dropped from 72% approval to now 45% approval. But still, more people want him to stay by his job by just one or two points uh, than want him out of his job. So what happens is, since he's such a, a arrogant, self-absorbed person, he's got very few friends when he needs them most. And evidently this weekend he was working the phones and pushing back on two more revelations that came forward, two more allegations. So before we get to Janice, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The border is breaking down as I speak. Immigration in 2022 will be a bigger issue than it was in 2016. I just got back from the border. They're changing every policy of Trump that worked. So we're going to be dealing with, as a nation, out-of-control immigration. There you go. Lindsey Graham nails it again. Immigration. The Biden administration can pretend it's not a crisis, but we know it's a crisis. And getting bigger by the day. They said every unaccompanied minor gets to stay. Every unaccompanied minor is now making their way to our border. I cannot believe the massive incompetence. It's catch and release now on steroids. Number two. There are some legislators who suggest that I resign because of accusations that are made against me. I'm not going to resign because of allegations. The premise of resigning because of allegations is actually anti-democratic. There is no way I resign. Yeah, we don't want to be anti-democratic. Cuomo's critics and accusers are coming up and hitting him in waves as calls continue to have him resign. Predictably, he is in denial. Number one. I want to thank all of the senators who worked so hard to reach a compromise through the right thing for the American people during this crisis and voted to pass the American Rescue Plan. It obviously wasn't easy. It wasn't always pretty. But it was so desperately needed. Really? Thank all the Democratic senators, because not one Republican voted with you, and you almost lost Democrats. It was supposed to be easy. Instead, the rescue plan passes the Senate on a pure party-line basis. Biden declares victory, but who really won? We look at what's in and what's out and other measures that are about to be jammed down our throats. And believe me, when you're putting millions of dollars in to preserve ancient Indian languages, you know it's not an emergency. When you put millions in for libraries, you know it's not an emergency. When you don't spend $1 trillion of the aid set aside on pure debt, by the way, pure debt, and you put in $2 more trillion into that debt, you know it's not an emergency. They have $150 million on environmental justice grants, $200 million for the Institute of Museum and Library Services, and get this, $91 million student loan outreach. Hi, I just want to tell you you have a loan. How much does that cost? So the other big story, uh, America's governor, that's what he was called because he was very good at explaining PowerPoints. He's a good communicator, but he's an arrogant, self-absorbed uh, politician who feels as though he walks on water, and we all know he doesn't. People that know him know he doesn't, but his approval rating went through the roof. But now as people find out about how he treats his staffers, women in particular, how he, what he's done with nursing homes, what he's done in other scandals, they're all emerging and coming to a head. Joining us now to discuss this is Janice Dean, Fox News senior meteorologist and New York Times bestselling author, who's done it again. 
Uh, Amazon has got a roaring up the charts. Make Your Own Sunshine, inspiring stories of people who find light in dark times. Janice, what do you think? And welcome back to the show, by the way, on International Women's Day. Uh, listen, that's very kind of you to have me on the program on International Women's Day. Yes. Uh, it's not just you. There's Swiss women listening. Uh, there's Costa Rican women listening. You represent the whole planet today. I mean, I, I'm just I'm honored. Well, congratulations on the book. Thank you. Uh, you helped with that book, by the way, because it was inspired by the stories that I do every day on the Dean's List, which I know you are like the number one fan of the Dean's List. When, when Fox Nation first came out, I say, Janice, you got your series. It's the Dean's List. These are really yep. good stories about people that don't get a lot of play, but they're real life people. You know, it's not some celebrity going to a soup kitchen one day in a dress uh, ladling for uh, for four people and then going home. Exactly. And so this is, you know, this this book really is because of you. Right. Which is why you decided to let me share in the revenue, which was a bit of a shocker <laughs> and and a bit of a surprise. <laughs> So thank you. Right. You got it. So, uh, Janice, uh, you're making international news in all seriousness because when your in-laws passed away in a nursing home and you saw the controversy with them going back and forth from a hospital to a nursing home, you said, what's going on here? Why is this a policy? And it turns out it was a policy that Governor Cuomo put into place that had positive uh, uh, coronavirus seniors go back into nursing homes and would spread throughout their nursing home like wildfire. And because of that, there's an attorney general... Uh, investigation that realized not only was this wrong, but it was underreported. Instead of 5,000, 9,000, instead of 9,000, 15,000, on Friday it came out that his nurse, his uh, health staff was overrun by his staff and told those numbers are too high, you better lower them. What else can you tell people about this? Well, over the weekend, we have more accusers, uh, which, listen, no woman should ever be in the position that this guy puts them in. And I believe these accusations, by the way. Sexual harassment is not about sex. It's about power. And this guy is the most power-hungry leader that you can possibly imagine. I have heard it from lawmakers. I have heard it uh, from reporters. Uh, if this guy doesn't like what's written about him, he will call them at midnight and scream on the phone. So we're finally kind of getting the insider look at what this person, this governor, has been like throughout the last three terms, throughout his whole life, really. Uh, and so while I'm glad it's coming to light and he should be held accountable for all of these stories that, you know, he's treated these women badly uh, throughout his career. I don't want people to lose focus of what I believe is criminal. And that is the deaths of 15,000 elderly people in nursing homes, partly, mostly, I think, because of his mandate to put COVID positive patients into nursing homes for 46 days. Then he reversed it and it was scrubbed on the health department website. The fact that he covered up the numbers, that's something we've known for months now. But finally, with the AG report and this latest you know, news story of someone that came forward and admitted that his people, including Melissa DeRosa, told them to write a false number, which was, I think, at least 60 percent lower than what the real total was. And Janice, here's the thing. You know, he has all those staffers sitting down there. They haven't named. 
again, he always has a layer between him and the decision. Unless, of course, it's a positive decision, then he did it by himself. Remember, in the Buffalo situation where all those billions were lost in the Buffalo project, he had one of a guy he called his brother take the fall for it. He also stopped an investigation was too close to him in the middle, and no one's ever taken the fall for it because it's a single-party state uh, in New York. So I could see a scenario where these staffers take the fall. Yes. I'm actually surprised that Howard Zucker wasn't thrown under the bus earlier. That actually might have helped him a lot if he said— uh, Howard Zucker, my health commissioner, he's the one that signed the, you know, made me sign the mandate. He's the one that has been fudging the numbers and lying all of this time. He's the guy, and he could have thrown him under the bus and resigned, and you know, maybe we wouldn't be here. Um, but I do think, you know, hopefully, some of these people around him, like the Melissa DeRosas, who I think broke the law, uh, obstruction of justice. These people need to be held accountable, just like this guy. Here's what, so Cuomo, instead of sitting back and letting lawyers handle it, he's being his own lawyer. He did it again over the weekend when it turned out uh, that this, uh, that he was going to lose the support of the senior member of his party, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, New York State Senate Majority Leader. She is now calling for him to resign. The Assembly Majority Leader, New York State Assembly Majority Leader, Carl Heasty, he says, we may have challenges to address, and I think this is a time for the governor to seriously consider whether we can effectively meet the needs of the people. So he is close to saying he should resign. So listen to what Cuomo does. Cut 21. On the miss list, uh if you look, there was a, a story that one of the papers looked at 150 employees uh, who worked for me over 40 years. You see the same pattern. Uh, I say to people in the office, how are you doing? Uh, how's everything? Are you going out? Uh, are you dating? Uh, that's my way of doing friendly banter. But uh, I never, uh, and I don't even think she said it, I never... Uh, meant to make anyone feel unwelcome in any way. Uh, I know the if customs change, then uh, I'll change uh, the customs and the behaviors. But I never meant to feel make anyone feel any uncomfortable. Is that ex- it, is that explanation okay with you? <laughs> Did he blame the Italians? I think he also blamed his dad. How do you feel about that as a fellow Italian, blaming Italians for his behavior? Right. I, I blame my Italian side when things go wrong and the Irish side when things go wrong uh, differently. So I'm able to go. I'm able to fall back on two separate things, never taking the blame myself, you know. Right. But see, well, And that's what he's doing. That's his thing. He blames everybody else. He did it with the nursing home. There's a long laundry list of things he's blamed for his mandate, Fox News and The New York Post. And the nursing home workers and the nursing home residents, because they're old, that's what he does. He blames everybody. So I want you to get that. Jonathan Allen's got a new book out called Lucky. It's how Joe Biden won the presidency. And I'll tell you, even Democrats say the same thing. But they have an Andrew Cuomo story in it. He shared it over the weekend, Cut 26. Andrew Cuomo's looked at as somebody who might be moving up. What we write about in the book is uh, him taping a message for the Democratic Convention, really angering the Biden people because it was a five-minute message of which the last eight seconds or so uh, were an endorsement of Joe Biden. The rest of it was an endorsement of uh, of Governor Cuomo for a future presidential run. Uh, he was asked to recut the video uh, and refused to do it. And I think this ties into the sort of attitude of him being, uh, you know, uh, acting, as Danny said, with impunity. 
And it, this is his own party. This is what I want to emphasize to everyone. These are people in his own party who want him to resign. This is Jonathan Allen telling a story from the Democratic point of view. And I have heard stories. I have heard stories that the Biden administration, including the president, I, I can't prove anything. These are just stories I've heard that they really don't like this guy. I mean, they don't. But for some reason, you know, they they feel they owe him something. Well, why? I mean, now is the time. He's not going to resign. He said that. Let's start the impeachment process. You know what? I'm sick of these lawmakers with their getting on social media. He should resign, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Talk is cheap. Show us. Show us that you are serious about getting rid of this guy. Have they reached out to you at all? Anybody? Lawmakers? Yep. I have spoken to lawmakers on both sides, and I have heard that this guy is feared and has been for so long. And that's why it's taken so long for people to speak up and speak out. Ron Kim, by the way, is a hero. He's the Democratic lawmaker who lost an uncle in a nursing home and finally said, enough is enough. I am telling everyone about this guy and how he threatened me and told me to do something that was against yep. the law. So, let so me... you know what? Man up, people. Gotcha. Uh, just quick thing. Uh, to impeach the assembly, uh, you need a majority of 76 of the 150 members. The current composition is 106 uh, Democrats, 43 Republicans. You'll probably get every Republican. Then you go to the Senate for an impeachment trial. Conviction requires two-thirds of majority court members. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. So far, 50 overall uh, have called for his resignation. We'll see where we are tomorrow and the next day. Meanwhile, in the meantime, you want to feel good about yourself and find out uh, great things about Americans. Make your own sunshine, inspiring stories of people who find light in dark times. Janice, thanks so much. Congratulations on the book. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. And thanks so much for uh, coming on an International Women's Day. Janice Dean, thank you. You're welcome. Honest commentary, unique opinions. No agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I think it's terrible, and I, I truly believe, you know, that he has a dog's mess on his hands, and with all this, you know, it's where mm-hmm. it stands, it's not going to do anything except get worse, and, okay. I, and I would say he needs to resign. And that's a former Democratic governor turned Republican of West Virginia, uh, Jim Justice. He said, what I see, he should resign. I just got some good news to tell you. So if you're vaccinated, the CDC is taking their time coming up with what to do once you're vaccinated, what you can do. We heard the, uh, the idiocy of Dr. Fausti saying stay in your house till everyone's vaccinated. If you're a senior, can you visit your grandkids? That is not – we shouldn't do that. Now it's official. Okay. If you are vaccinated, people can – ready? Visit with fully vaccinated people indoors without a mask and without distancing. If you are fully vaccinated, you can visit with unvaccinated people from a single household who are at low risk for COVID-19 disease indoors without wearing a mask for physical distancing. So that means you could visit somebody who is not a senior with underlying conditions, right? 
That's what they're saying? Without a mask? Basically, yeah. Like the example you were saying, if you're grandparents and you're both fully vaccinated and waited two weeks since your second dose or two weeks since yeah. your first uh, dose of Johnson Johnson, you can then go visit your grandkids and give them a hug. So listen to this. Refrain from quarantine if you're vaccinated and testing following a known exposure to COVID-19 if asymptomatic. My daughter is worried about being contact traced. So she is actually going to remote school because she doesn't want to. She only has six weeks of her soccer season. So they're all staying home because they want to get contact traced. No one's afraid of getting it. They're afraid of someone testing positive in a classroom within six feet. They just come in, they tap you, and you're done for a week. That means that you'd be missing three games. They can't distance more than six feet in the classroom? I think they could, and they said the teacher's not being cooperative with it. You shouldn't get special rules if you're an athlete. But they don't have to distance by six feet in the classroom in the co- at the college? Uh, high school. Oh, high school. Got it, got it, yeah. got it. Okay. I think they do. That's a good point. But when they just get tapped and that's it. So, and most of the people didn't have, they never get it. They always just get tapped out. One girl missed 40 days because she was unfortunate to be next to someone that had it. And she had the antibodies because she had tested positive earlier. That's one of her teammates. So, and what is the other one? Yeah, so that that's, those are the four big ones, and they got longer explanations here. So get vaccinated if you can, right? Get Johnson Johnson's a one shot. You can be done with it. They're going to be out real quick. I'm telling you, this thing is going to be snowballing. Everyone wants to restrain you. Oh, there's new strains. There's new strains coming in. Look out, everybody. There's new strains. Just get vaccinated. You know what to do and live your life. Sal, listen on WABC in New Jersey. Hey, Sal. Hey, uh, Brian, finally get a chance to talk with you. I was turning the radio and I heard them describing somebody who I thought they were talking about Trump. But for me... I'm looking at how the Democrats definitely police their own. And when Trump was accused of worse than this, even being a bully, you didn't hear anybody speaking. And I think it's really kind of hypocrisy. I don't. Well, let me ask you something, Sal. Do you think do you think that, you know, obviously Trump does not have a perfect track record. No one ever thinks he did. But he got elected with that. Nothing happened in office. This guy had it happen in office. And all these people are stepping forward and they're all Democrats. All these people coming against Trump are at least on the other side. These are people on his own side. And, you know, and obviously it's going to be a Democratic state. So anyone, unless you're a huge Cuomo fan, which there are not outside Cuomo's family, you shouldn't be upset. Get this in all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. What I'm trying to do is just harness the magic. To me, Donald Trump is sort of a cross between uh, uh, Jesse Helms, uh, Ronald Reagan, and P.T. Barnum. I mean, it's just it's just this bigger-than-life deal. He could make the Republican Party something that nobody else I know could make it. It could make it bigger. He could make it stronger. He could make it more diverse. Um, and he also could destroy it. <laughs> Senator Lindsey Graham, very candid on Axios on HBO, just talking. It's so true. And that's why he likes him. He likes him because he's different. Doesn't mean you could like John McCain, who hated Trump, and you could like Donald Trump, who hated John McCain. And people are astounded by that, that you could like both things. And, you know, Lindsey Graham was friends with Joe Biden. But the fact that he likes Donald Trump, Joe Biden is very disappointed in him. I'm never disappointed in Brett Baer, chief political anchor for Fox News, anchor a special report. Get started very shortly in just about six hours and 20 minutes. Brett, 
Do you think Lindsey Graham a- uh, accurately explained Donald Trump? I think so. I mean, I think he was very kind of candid. Uh, he's usually known for being kind of blunt spoken, but when dealing with something as sensitive as that, uh, I thought he was pretty straightforward. I mean, there are amazing parts of uh, Donald Trump that, as Lindsey Graham talked about, is the magic of being able to touch and um, and recruit uh, the support of a lot of different kinds of people. But with that comes some of the the bad as far as, you know, however you want to characterize it, as critics say it's narcissism, you know, others say it's, uh, you know, obsession about the wrong things, uh, but that has hurt him. And I think Lindsey Graham talked about that. He's trying to get to the policies that worked uh, and not the flaws of the man that didn't. So I want you to, so he came out over the weekend and put a statement out because he's been banned from social media, which is still stunning, and said about Senator Murkowski, he's going to make sure he's going to, she's going to primary her. Um, and, and, and also, you know how he feels about Liz Cheney. Cut 36 is John Barrasso in response. President Trump has already endorsed a number of senators who are running again for re-election. That is helpful. The president's endorsement matters. Uh, in terms of Alaska, look, I want to always make sure we nominate somebody who can win in November. Lisa Murkowski knows Alaska better than anybody, mm-hmm. and she's an incredible fighter for American energy. She hasn't made an announcement of if she's even going to run again. If she does, I'm going to support her. With regard to Liz Cheney in Wyoming, we work closely together fighting the Biden administration. I mean, this is an administration which policies on energy are devastating uh, Wyoming and our economy, the Rocky Mountain West, but gas prices are up 60 cents a gallon already since the beginning of the year. We need to work together every day. So I support her. I disagree with her completely uh, on uh, the issue of impeachment. She voted one way. I voted the other. So this is an example. Barrasso is as loyal to Trump as there is out there. And he's trying to say, yeah, Trump's great. But I also think these people are great. That's going to be the line Kevin McCarthy and company have to straddle. Do you think it's possible? I think it is. It all depends on, you know, what the Democrats look like. Biden, you know, ran under the umbrella of working in a bipartisan way and, you know, getting things done across the aisle. And, you know, there's no evidence that that's happening. Um, This COVID bill, uh, you know, pushed through with reconciliation and no Republican votes, not really an effort to do an outreach on a jobs bill or immigration as of yet that I can see. So the more that that happens, I think the easier it is to unite Republicans, uh, even if Trump is coming after Murkowski or not. So I want you to go over this rescue package. How do people cover this story and not point out why the Republicans didn't vote for it when they have a track record of voting for the other three? Why didn't they vote for it? Because of so much extra stuff in it. They already agreed to be almost $700 billion. They said the 2.2, the $1.9 trillion is too much. It's because the $200 million for the museums and libraries, the $91 million for student loan outreach, $50 million for environmental justice grants, $10 million for preservation of Native American languages, $270 million for arts and humanities. To tell the story, you could, I don't care what your opinion is, but to tell the story, you have to talk about what was jammed in there 
like Amtrak that has nothing to do with the pandemic. Why are people reluctant to tell that side of this, Brett? I don't know. I mean, if you do a percentage of what actually goes to COVID relief specific, yes, um, it is not a big percentage in this bill. And add to that the money that has already been allocated that has not been spent. And that figure varies, but it's in the tens of billions of dollars. And, um, you know, so the questions that circled around this weekend were, how could you vote against this? Um, Not how could you vote for this? So, uh, yeah, I think your perspective has to change as far as what exactly is in it. And for the most part, I don't think. Democrats fully explained what was in it. See, why didn't Joe Manchin go to bat for that? There's too much extraneous stuff there. Instead, he's talking about the supplemental unemployment insurance and kept everything held up for 10 hours. I'm saying, what planet are we on? Um, I so- know. And, and Manchin is, um, you know, he, he told me he was not going to vote for COVID relief bill that didn't have bipartisan support, at least one, two, however many. Well, this didn't. And, um, you know, he still voted for it. So he did. But here's one thing that I did not know until Sunday about how different farmers and different people are getting money depending on the color of their skin. Listen to this. Senator Lindsey Graham with Maria yesterday. Cut five. Most of the money's not spent this year. Ninety percent of it's got nothing to do with covid. But let me give you an example of something that really bothers me in this bill. If you're a farmer. Your loan will be forgiven up to 120% of your loan, not 100%, but 120% of your loan if you're socially disadvantaged, if you're African-American, some other minority. But if you're a white person, if you're a white woman, no forgiveness as reparations. What does that got to do with COVID? So if you're in the farming business right now, this bill forgives 120% of your loan based on your race. These people... In the Congress today, the House and the Senate on the Democratic side are out of control liberals. And uh, God help us all uh, if we don't check and balance them in 2022. And Pat Toomey said the same thing. He just tweeted this out and then he came on with Bill and and Dana a second ago and just and just said this. Can you believe this, Brett? The color of your skin, you get different amounts of money. Yeah, it's it's um, I mean, that that was not laid out i don't think in in talking about this bill um but it's in there and you know remember when nancy pelosi said well you got to figure out you got to pass it before you figure out what's in it um a lot of people thought that was a mistake but in reality some of that stuff happens on capitol hill and it gets passed and then you know you get to find out um these different nuggets are, are in there i Listen, they, they defend it, but it's really tough to, on a political basis in across America, um, to defend it. But Republicans have to get out and get the word out. There's a reason why they didn't vote for it. They actually wanted to. I believe those 10 senators wanted to at least get off on the right foot uh, on this bill. This, Do you agree with me, Brett, that this was probably the easiest thing to pass on a bipartisan way and it didn't get close? Yeah. I think that that was the effort to go to the Oval Office. That was the effort to say, hey, we're here. We want to get to someplace. And there was not even, okay, here's what we want. You know, here's a give or two. Uh, There wasn't that. 
it was a battle to get some of the stuff like the bridge to from Buffalo to Canada or the uh, the train in San Francisco to get it out of there. But there was still chock full of other stuff that had nothing to do with COVID. Lastly, I just want to talk to you, talk to you about Governor Cuomo. Uh, when this two other women came out over the weekend talking about sexual harassment, he did not lay sit on his hands and let a lawyer speak or just sit out like he did originally. He came out and said this, cut 19. There are some legislators who suggest uh, that I resign because of accusations that made uh, are made against me. The I was elected by the people of the state. I wasn't elected by politicians. Uh, I'm not going to resign because of allegations. Uh, the premise of resigning because of allegations uh, is actually anti-democratic. Anybody has the ability to make an allegation in democracy, and that's great. But it's in the credibility of the allegation. There is no way I resign. Let's do the attorney general investigation. Let's get the findings, and then we'll go from there. What's kind of interesting is Andrea Stewart-Cousins wanted him to now. She's the New York State Senate Majority Leader, a Democrat. Uh, She runs the Senate. Call Hastie runs the Assembly. He says he should seriously consider resigning. We've seen a lot of this drill before. What about the fact that he's getting aggressive, Brett? That's an interesting uh, and questioning the credibility of the allegations. Yeah, I think it's an interesting take. Uh, it's one, um, obviously, that he thinks that you can push back and and make this go away. I just think uh, these allegations are very serious. However, in the other side of this is the nursing home investigation, yep. which I think is more of a problem for him, and yet he doesn't talk about that. Um, I think that's cut and dry when you look at the numbers and the investigation that's already happened, uh, and now we know that the feds are investigating it, I think there's much more uh, ability uh, for there to be problems mm-hmm. from, from that. I think these allegations are very serious, however. Hey, Brett, do you have the Fox News app or cable in your office? I do, indeed. Because I'm going to be on outnumbered now. If you haven't gotten enough of me, I'm going to be on television again. Rather than get you the VCR tape like I usually do, do you want to just watch live? I think I might watch live. So did they pay you by the hour now? Or what <laughs> they should. I'll finally approach your salary. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'm going to hop on. A, I'm going to hop on in just a matter of moments. So it's going to be an exciting week. I'm very excited. It feels a little like spring. Brett Bear, thanks so much. We're going to watch you on Special Report. Is that okay? That sounds good. Brett Hume will be on as well. All right. He's tall with a deep voice. Brett, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to find out if there's more to know, and then I'm going to scramble up and watch uh, and do outnumbered. I'm going to I'm going to play the role of the man on the show, surrounded by five very smart women. It's going to be a privilege. I'll put my jacket on and get some powder. Don't move. Show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, everyone. It's uh, my privilege to tell you in about 10 minutes I'll be on Outnumbered. My t- I'll have my television makeup on. Now I got my radio makeup on. You watch me on Fox Nation now. Back to Fox News Channel shortly. I'll be on there from 12 to 1. But in the meantime, can I let you know that there's a need to know more? 
More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Millions, maybe more than the Super Bowl, watch Meghan Markle and Harry talk about why they left royalty, even though technically they still are. They said it was so bad, she contemplated suicide. It was so bad, they were racist, was the queen. It was so bad, we had no choice. They wouldn't protect us and wouldn't make my son Archie a prince. Let's listen. It was really hard to be able to see those as compartmentalized conversations. they were concerned that if he were too brown that that would be a problem are you saying that i wasn't able to follow up with why but that if that's the assumption you're making i think that feels like a pretty safe one listen that was that is unbelievable that somebody in the royal family was asking they're concerned about how brown the baby would be but she goes well i didn't hear it harry heard it and harry would not tell us who said it yeah correct he um oprah asked him twice and he said i'm not going to even you know answer that they know it wasn't good um, apparently, he did tell Oprah later that she could clarify it was not his grandmother or grandfather who said it. So it was not oh, Prince really? Philip or the Queen. Oh, that's did not good. ask that question. Okay, so somebody on the staff that's 80 years old might have said that. Is that the reason why you leave royalty? She actually acted, I don't know who's telling the truth, and I'm not knee-deep in, in royalology, but I will say this. The whole mystery, I had no idea his grandmother was the queen attitude, out of curtsy. It was such a big deal that we got married. We got married days before the actual wedding. That's pretty bad because people are paying to watch a wedding. They don't want to watch a sham. Well, she said they were, the wedding was more for the people, right, in that regard. Two things with that. She said becoming royalty, she didn't Google that because she felt everything she needed from her marriage was going to come from Harry, which is a fair point. At the same time, if she's like an actress, wouldn't you research the role? Absolutely. How about this? Bethany Frankel. A lot of people say, what does Bethany Frankel feel about this whole thing? She's from The Real Housewives. She's a breakout star and a successful businesswoman. So she tweeted out before the interview, Cry Me a River, the plight of being a game show, being a game show host, fairly unknown actress, to suffering in a palace with tiaras and seven-figure weddings for two whole years, uh, to being a household name with Oprah on speed dial, fetching $7 million for interviews. Hundreds of millions on media deals. Hashtag marry. And then after it, when they talked about race, she wrote, I watched I watched the sit down. Emotional distress and racism must feel suffocating and powerless. I'm a polarizing, I'm a polarizing, unfiltered, often to a fault flawed person with a voice. When I heard the interview during the pandemic, it felt like a surprise choice. I'm sorry if it hurt or offended you. So she's worried about getting canceled. She is. She should have stuck with her initial uh, initial take. Next, Burger King shocks everybody on International Women's Day. Quote, women belong in the kitchen. Burger King UK's official Twitter account shocks the internet with a seemingly random tweet that reads, women belong in the kitchen. Of all days to send this archaic message about women today's International Day. But with Burger King's very next tweet, you said that the kitchen comment is not random at all and is a deliberate effort to shock people into finding out more information about their new scholarship program to increase the number of women in professional chef jobs. That was quite a savvy marketing plan, right? Got you to talk about it. We're talking about it now. While potentially clever, the challenge BK faces is the number of people who retweeted the Women Belong in the Kitchen tweet. Numbers in the tens of thousands. While the subsequent tweets that explain the shocking message have only been shared a few thousand times. Oops. It's funny. I think so, too. 
Next, President Biden is planning to host Japan's Prime Minister of the White House as soon as April, the first in-person foreign leader to visit the presidency. Uh, this is good news, I guess. Japan is on our good persons list. <laughs> they are on our good persons list. They also want to then, um, it would show, uh, telegraph to allies and potential adversaries, including China, that the U.S. and Japan alliance will remain a linchpin in the post-World War II. Next. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, a trailblazer, says the Hollywood Critics Association that labeled him as much. But Dwayne Johnson says the real trailblazer was his dad. And I'm going to dedicate this trailblazer award to my dad, my old man who died uh, a little over a year ago. Man, that guy was a trailblazer. As complicated as our relationship was, our father-son relationship, complicated. Tough love, tough love. But he was a real trailblazer because what trailblazers do is they change behavior. They change people's behavior. And that's what he did. And he did everything he could to send people home happy. WWE Hall of Famer Rocky Johnson was his dad. He passed away a year ago at the age of 75. Dwayne The Rock Johnson always seems to get it right. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. I'm going to be on Outnumbered shortly. Remind me to put my jacket on, too, because right now I don't have it on, uh, and they really require that as part of their dress code. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.